0: we hear each other contribute to the discussion, we pray for one another, and we've journeyed together for more than a year. It's interesting that we always look for stories uh, outside our inner circle, but sometimes we forget those people who are so close to us and how vital their stories is. Well, today I'm bringing somebody who I journey with, somebody with whom uh, I've seen great things of God, and whom is dear to my heart, and I just uh, can't wait to hear his deep story. Tonight at Kingdom Stories from the Under, it is a privilege to have John Grullis. Welcome, uh, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. So it all starts on Friday mornings, which is sure. the most important day of the week for us, because is, yeah. about a good dozen of us, sometimes 15 of us, we meet together for prayer between 6 and 7 o'clock in the morning.
1: That's right, yeah.
0: Before dawn, most of the time. Which is a good time. It is a good time. Are you, are you a man of prayer?
1: Um, yeah. Um, I, I am a man of prayer, but I, I think my prayer life has now become more about listening than praying. So I spend mo- most of my time uh, in, with the, my quiet time is mostly spent initially with worship. Yeah. And then I just sit and wait upon the Lord. And
0: then I'll... Sit and wait quiet or with the Bible open, reading, or no?
1: No, I just sit and wait and, and basically wait, try and be still. Um, it's, uh, it's, a, it's, it's not easy. No. But, it, but it's about listening to that still small voice and getting to ask the Holy... to submit to the Holy Spirit. So, How long is the worship, a couple of songs? Or, sometimes you know? it varies. It, it, sometimes it goes for half an hour or more. Okay. But sometimes it's very short, yeah.
0: And it's not rushed? Do you, you have the time to do that? You get oh, yeah, the,
1: yeah. I'm, I'm usually, I'm an early riser. Yeah. So I'm up about five.
0: Okay. And, and, and you and start work at seven
1: or? Well, I, I get moving about 7.30. Okay, or, so like, you, have, you have quite t- a bit of co- time. A couple of hours, yeah. There's no rush.
0: Okay, that's important. I think
1: I believe so because I think uh, sometimes we we get into a, a a sense of ushering in his presence, and by the time we do, we have to go, and then yeah, you have it's we, a rush time. Yeah. You're already thinking so, ahead. Yeah, so I'm privileged, I guess, to have my own time. Okay, I, I don't. Uh, I'm not in full time employment. I have a a small uh, internet. Business, I guess.
0: So you don't actually leave the premises. You don't leave the. No, I don't. You work from home. Yes, I do. Which is beautiful. And um, do you do it
1: outside? Do you do it in the home? Do you do it in in the home room? In the home. Okay. Sometimes I go outside, but that's I do then at night time when I go and watch a clear sky. Beautiful. And the posture while you wait on the Lord. Uh, Mostly mostly on one knee and and or sometimes just lying flat on the floor. Wow. Ah, it's interesting because everything yeah.
0: matters. I think posture does matter. Yeah. It's positioning yourself to receive. Yeah. And that prostrate position does um, signify humbling
1: ten- attitude. Yeah, it tends to come when one is desperate. <laughs> yeah. But it, it's not it's not uh, it's not uniform. It's not Uh, It's not formulated. No, it's not a formula. I try to stay away. I used to get into formulas where I'd read certain things and Mm -hmm. decrease certain things, but now I try to not. You know, I think the Lord just wants me to be there. I think He's just happy for me to be there.
0: Yeah. Do you do walks as well, prayer walks, or running, or anything like that? No,
1: no, 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 not, not, no. I do used to do prayer walks in my early Christian walk, but not, not anymore.
0: Do you live by the lake? Just I, do, yeah, I do, yeah, I do, yeah. Because Paul, who's filming right now and I, we run around that lake, we run past well, your I, house. I,
1: you do, you do. It's got a fence, it's uh, 73. Oh, anyway, it's it's got a fence and uh, it's the second last house. On I the saw street. your car. That's yeah, how I knew that's, it was. Oh, well, that's, well, so maybe, yeah.
0: if, if we're ever desperate for water... We
1: Absolutely, you <laughs> can come anytime, anytime. <laughs> well, barge it's,
0: in your prayer. But, but not...
1: Between 11 p.m. and 5 p.m.?
0: No, no, no. Usually we run at about 5.30 in the morning, Oh, well, that's 30. okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we'll come and finish off with prayer. <laughs> yeah, you can. Well, can. there you go, small world. Yeah. When uh, did it all start for you, the prayer life? Have you had a, um, you know, a midlife um, yeah, I, I wasn't, stir? Yeah,
1: I wasn't a big, I wasn't big on, on prayer even initially. I, I'm... It it's strange. I mean, more in my prayer life has been uh, more worship than, than actual praying. Yeah. And and uh, and so my prayer life, you know, I really have to say that ninety five percent of it is not speaking. Yeah. Praying about things, yeah. and that's developed. You know, I I thought I used to do well. You. you you don't know where to go when you, you're a young Christian, so I guess um, you just um, basically wing it, and all you get you learn from our elders how how does everyone else do it. And
0: was it progressive, or was it yeah? There was a shift.
1: Yeah, there, was progressive, but I think it got to a point where um, I, I started. Uh, I think I got more uh, understanding. Yeah. On how to. Just be myself mm-hmm. in the in the time with him, and I think that's because he's all he's made us unique. So he wants us to be uniquely with him, yeah, in our own way, yeah. That we can't emulate anyone else, yeah. We we can't go through a formula, and that, that's the that's the danger of getting into a formula.
0: It's interesting you say that because um, my mom had seven children. Uh, well, I'm one of seven, and right. uh, She was asked by somebody, she said, well, who do you favor the most? And she was very wise. I mean, this could have Mm. gone down really badly because obviously she related uniquely to each one of us. She Uh, knew us inside out and the way she behaved with me was different than the way she behaved with one of my sisters because she knew Mm. our love language. She knew what we needed but she was very she was very wise when she gave the answer she said i favor the most the one who needs me the most in that moment
1: that's a weird yeah, that's a good answer
0: you know whoever needs me the most in that moment mm. that's why i favor yeah. in
1: a sense well wow, that's wisdom
0: yeah, yeah and i thought man only god can yeah. reveal that to a man that's mom. right
1: that's right that, yeah that is uh, that is probably a, a, the perf- well close to the perfect answer yeah. because you're not offending anyone that's right and and you're actually telling that person when you're in a time of need or or him that you're focused on them
0: And i think obviously to a greater degree god is like that he you is. know when you need him the most he's he always there
1: father, yeah he's all he's always been uh, the father yeah i've i've, I've uh, Long a while back, have changed from calling God. I'd rather call him the Heavenly Father or my Father. I yeah. think it makes it more personal and it doesn't make it so distant. Yeah. Yes, He is God, uh, and yeah. He is the Father God. Yeah, and that's what
0: He, you know. Oh, it's 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 a, an absolute privilege. Yeah. To call Him Father, Absolutely. I think it's the greatest name that we could ever call Him. That's right. Yeah, uh, from an earthly posture. That's correct. Because that is the greatest figure we can, you know, make yeah. up in our mind with with the limited, yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, yeah. um, conditioning that we have uh, to see it through those eyes. And Jesus, that's how Jesus introduced God to us yes, as the right. Heavenly Father. Yeah,
1: which is beautiful. Yeah, and the one thing about it is is that I think the, the the understanding of a father is that we have to not compare the earthly father to the heavenly father. No. Because we can't uh, put them in the same category because our earthly fathers are also, like us, vulnerable to many things that, that you know, they've, they've probably gone through difficult times as well. And so yeah. they respond differently to different uh, situations or circumstances. So, you know, we have to know that the father is is almighty. Yeah. And there is none like him. He is, you know, above everything, above yeah. all things. So, yeah, I think it's, uh, you know, we can't really say... And a lot of people probably do shy away from the Father because they probably had not a good experience with the earthly Father.
0: Yeah. It's the lenses that you look at it. Were you always yeah. uh, a believer? Did you grow up no, in a Christian No, no, family? no, actually oh, no. Well,
1: I grew up in a sort of a Christian home. My my mum always um, because uh, uh, she was a widow, uh, she always um, always referenced to God and, and she found it difficult. So in the early in the the fifties and the sixties, it was very difficult to be a widow in in Australia in, in, a, in a new country. For so that.
0: you were born in Australia. I was born in Sydney. In yeah. Sydney. Yeah. Um, when did your parents
1: come across? Probably in 1946 or 47. Just after, after the war? war. They, they were refugees from the war. Yeah. Where were they in Europe? Uh, they oh. were then uh, stationed, I think, in in a, in a refugee camp in Germany, I think. From? From Latvia. Latvia? Yeah, because... The, Latvians they, or Jews? They were Latvians.
0: Latvians, okay. So they... Um, how did they end up in Germany? They were taken there by they, train? Yeah,
1: they were actually shipped out of there because the Russians were advancing through the Baltic states. Okay. And, and so uh, the Russians uh, were a bit more... Uh, diff-
0: uh, more cruel. More cruel than, yeah. than the Germans. So the, well, Mum used, always used to say, don't, don't be afraid of the Germans, be afraid of the Russians.
1: Yeah, well, I'm not cr- criticizing nationalities, but I'm just saying that at that, that time, well, so she the Russians through the were, war. Yeah, so The, the, the Russians them. were a bit more severe on, on yeah. the, the people than what the Germans were. So And the Germans were retreating, and they were... So that's why how they ended up there. And Then they end up in uh, Italy and Genoa. Okay. And then they... they a, uh, a ship. Yeah, yeah. Border ships to so Australia. So it
0: would have been a long journey from Latvia to Germany, Germany to Italy, Italy to Australia. Yes. Yeah, yeah. A couple of been, years. It,
1: it did. Yeah. It, well, they like in, a, I think it was 44 or 44 when they started heading down. And they so they were in camps for about three, two or three years. Yeah. And Sydney, Sydney, they, yeah, they actually um, came. They didn't stop. Well, I think they stopped in Perth, but they didn't stay there. They went to a migrant center in at west of Sydney.
0: Okay. Yeah. And, uh, any children at that stage?
1: Yeah, I was, I was the last. I mean, I was, not supposed to be here really. Yeah. <laughs> she was forty five and 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 uh, I wasn't I was the youngest. Of? Of five. Five, okay. Two other two brothers and two sisters. How many were born in Europe? Three. My sister who was was born in forty nine was born in Wagga. Wagga in New South Wales. Okay. That was a camp
0: there and the others in Germany or in Italy in Latvia in Latvia just all, all in Latvia yeah. okay
1: yeah.
0: and you were born your mum was 45 when she had me yeah, yeah. my so mom was 40 when
1: she had me so, yeah, so they were built, I was the seventh they were built tough and yes. yeah. yeah but so yeah so anyway we had we were growing up in a household that didn't really acknowledge god as I know now, how to acknowledge him. Yeah. But but that she always referenced him that he would always watch over us and help us. And
0: was she from an Orthodox? Uh, I think Eastern it was more Orthodox? Lutheran. Lutheran, okay. Yeah. And dad. I think he was Lutheran as well. Okay.
1: And how old were you when he passed away? I wasn't born. Oh, what happened? Well, he, he got he actually was um, an electrician and he was working on the electrification of the train lines from Sydney to go west and uh, he was helped, an apprentice was up in a, I don't want to go into too much detail but an apprentice was working on the lines up in the box in the switch box and something happened so he went up to help him and he got a shock and they both fell and he fell on the railway lines and crushed his lungs so it took him a while to pass away because they couldn't do anything about internal bleeding in those days. That's so sad. Yeah, it is. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, I never knew him. So, But, you know, uh, when I became a, a believer, I saw how much the uh, heavenly father was watching over me.
0: Yeah.
1: I, I, I didn't realize it or acknowledge it at the time going yeah. through my life. And I wasn't born again until 1990, so I was about 37.
0: So. Did your mum remarry? No. She chose to remain a widow. Yeah, she remained a widow. That would have been tough for her.
1: It was, it was. And uh, that's what, probably the reason why I left school, yeah.
0: So she lived just on uh, Pension. Pension. Mm-hmm. Like what the government, was it. And there with was, government housing as well. Yeah. What about since then? In Windsor. Okay. That's that,
1: about 50 kilometers west near... It's actually not far from Balkham Hills, which is Hillsong area. Okay,
0: yeah. yeah. And uh, what's your first memory of childhood? Wow. Four or five...
1: Yeah, and, and all the different nationalities that I, I was living with in a, in a migrant centre. They came from all over the world.
0: Oh, so you were still uh, in a...
1: When I was uh, young, when I was about five, yeah. I didn't leave the migrant centre until I was about nine, and we moved to Windsor. So she stayed there
0: for a good 10, 11 years more?
1: Mm. in the migrant centre.
0: Yeah. Mm. Was that like state housing, or what was it?
1: Yeah, well, it was, government, it was federal government housing okay. for migrants, and then you went to a state housing. Okay. From there. Uh-huh. Interesting.
0: Mm. And uh, obviously there were Vietnamese. What, where? Not Vietnamese, no. Was not yet?
1: No, no, no. Mostly Polish, mostly Eastern Bloc. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, not what, what they call the Eastern Bloc. Uh, East Germany. Sp- yeah, Spanish as well. And and all, all most European nations. Mm-hmm. Even some Romanians as well. Yeah. So they had everyone there, Dutch even. And so there was a lot.
0: So there. that's your first sort of memory playing sports, playing... Yeah,
1: a- well, learning how to play, yeah, cricket and all that thing. And so I grew up really as Australian. Did you, Mum, teach you Latvian? Tried to, but I, I sort of... Um, Dutch, I didn't want to do it because it was there was a stigma about being speaking another language. Mm-hmm. And so I would answer her in English but I understood exactly what she was saying.
0: And your older brothers and sisters?
1: They spoke? Oh, they spoke Latvian, but... Yeah, they spoke mainly Latvian, but they all spoke English. You know?
0: Okay. Yeah. Wow, interesting.
1: Yeah, it is, but... So in um, Windsor? So in Windsor, I grew up, and uh, uh, yeah, I just went to school and really enjoyed it. Well, I enjoyed it. I, I, you know, I used to have to go two kilometers to school, my bike, no, walking. Yeah, and then I got then when we could afford a bike, I got a bike. But yeah, and then but I'd meet up with my friends along the way, and we'd all walk together, and yeah, you know, and then, right, yeah. So
0: Pretty streetwise, you became pretty yeah, streetwise. Yeah,
1: yeah, that's right. Yeah, Windsor, Windsor was a right. decent town until until um, probably nineteen seventy when the drug scene came in, and then Windsor became one of the one of the well, second in the state for crime with drug. Like, so. But I, I, I left by then. I'd left in 70. So. Where did you go? I joined the, the Royal Australian Navy at that time.
0: So you left school at what, 15, 15,
1: 16? yeah. But I, I tried to get in the Navy at 15, but I wouldn't accept me, so I tried again. So I went to work in Bourke for a, for a while in western Sydney. Yeah. And uh, in the country, and then came back at on 17. On Yeah, on a farm. And with, with indigenous people? No, well, yeah, I was... Because it was a, a farm, uh, the owner was American. He was growing all sorts of fruits, like melons and everything, and so... Uh, and, and we worked a lot with indigenous people at that time. It was pretty good experience for me. Yeah. And then uh, coming back at 17, I I got into the Navy, yeah. And... Uh, but, you see, it was... Getting into the Navy was my desire. Yeah. I don't think it was God's desire. hmm
0: And so... What drew you to the Navy?
1: I, I just love the ocean. Yeah. I love the ocean. I love the sea. Uh, I love the ships. And and so I really wanted to make it. I thought that was where I needed to be. But um, after being born again, I realized that it was my desire, and I enforced it upon my... My mother didn't want me to go in the Navy. Yeah, but I, I forced her to sign the papers, and she did. And because you we were under twenty-one at those yeah. days, and she got me, I got in. And then after about three years, I realised that this was wrong. This is not where I needed to be. Did you get a trade? I, I started one, but I, I just I didn't complete it. So uh, I I asked for a discharge, and because my mother was a widow, they gave me an honourable discharge. Okay. Normally, it was very difficult to get out of the navy.
0: Would have been an eight-year gig? Three, it was a
1: nine-year sign-on, and okay. I, I did three. Mm-hmm. And so uh, then... Uh,
0: so you were 20 now?
1: I was 20, and, well, I still wanted to travel, but I didn't want to travel Navy style. Yeah. And so I, I um, took a one-way ticket with a friend of mine to, to Europe. Mm. And, I, and I, looking back now, I think this is what the, the Lord really had planned for me. I, he, he, but he gave me all my heart's desires, because I, um, I met my wife there, which I had no intention of going over to Europe and meeting a wife. But
0: just before that, mm. the navy protected you as well from drugs, from everything. Yeah, alcohol, they actually did. Women, they actually, they actually did. gambling, whatever.
1: The best time I had, I think it was really good at that age for me to learn discipline yeah. and to learn independence. Yeah, we had to learn how to iron, make your bed, clean your. Yeah. So it really taught me some really good ethics. Yeah. And, and, I, and I, I think it's, it's very important. That's why you shave every morning, right? Yeah, probably, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, 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 the thing is is that it, it, I think it, every young man, they, they probably would shy away from it, but any defence job uh, would give them some sort of independence and confidence yeah. to go out in the world. I didn't, wouldn't have had the confidence to do what I did yeah. know, otherwise. It was a great grounding.
0: So what did you do in London?
1: Well, I worked what? in London. Well, we traveled around Europe, you know, yeah. the beer festival, because I wasn't a believer. So you and your mate? Yeah, but then my other friends come over. But Money? My, you I had it. not much, no. I, I used my um, super, what I had in the Navy, which was not much. It was $700. So I paid yeah. 300 for an airfare to Athens. Yeah. And then me and my friend hitchhiked to London from Athens. What a trip. Yeah, it was. It was an amazing trip. But it took us three weeks to get there. Yeah. And sleeping under bridges and on autobahns and all that stuff. And it was an experience. But then we, we moved into a flat and uh, we you know initially didn't have the finances to do it, but Australian people were in the flat and they helped us out and got us a job. And, and so... What did you do? Well, actually, I did everything. I drove a forklift. I... I worked for an agency and you had to be on call for any, any type of work. Yeah. So I did all that. But then uh, I met uh, my wife who was uh, French. Where did you meet her? I met her in London. The thing was, was she had a girlfriend who... Her, her, her girlfriend's boyfriend uh, was staying with us on, mm. and, and his mate. But uh, when they wrote to them, to, to his girlfriend to come over... She couldn't speak English, but she had a friend who was my wife now, could speak English. Yeah. So she brought her along. And by the time they got to our flat, those two guys had moved on to Northern Ireland at the time. And so I met my wife and, you know, when I look back, I actually prophesied over her. I said that my love was in France, but she doesn't know it yet. Yeah. And she was like, man, he's a bit forward. She told me that later. (laughs) But uh, basically I met her there and uh and uh she invited me back to her place but i i thought oh well, you know they all do that but she did call me halfway through and she said you're still coming so i went there my friends went to the beer festival i went to her place and then i have across the channel by both yeah, yeah, yeah. southampton to sherbrooke and then hitchhiked to her place which was about 200 k's which took me about eight nine hours to do. it was <laughs> a little race. but then and just with uh, english she did. She spoke.
0: A no, uh, hitchhike just with, uh, with English. With English, that's
1: it. Yeah, yeah. I, I couldn't speak a word of French, not a word. And so, yeah, I, it was a struggle to get there, but I eventually got there, you know. And I, I, I learned from the Europeans, they put a sign up to where they're going. So yeah. I, I used to do that. And so I put her town up. So that was how yeah, that helped. And so I, I didn't, I mentioned that my eldest sister, she had moved to, she married a Dane and went, moved to Denmark in 1960. Okay. So, so She's been there ever since. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I... Closer to home.
0: Well, to yeah, to. but
1: she married a date. And so Janine and I uh, hitchhiked from her place, which was in the west of France to, to Copenhagen, where she lived. Oh,
0: so you went all the way to Copenhagen with this girl? With this girl,
1: yeah. The mother yeah. didn't really trust me because when I arrived, I... I, I, I used to drink Jack Daniels at the time, so I brought a bottle, and I thought they, did, they didn't. And no one smoked in their house. I smoked, and then oh, I was terrible. It, was, it wasn't a very good first impression, but, uh, you know, when I realised that no one smoked, no one did anything, so I stopped everything. And, but then uh, the mother was really apprehensive about letting my wife come with me.
0: Too. How long did you stay there before you went for... It was only a Copenhagen? A week. Mm-hmm. And, you and You stayed with them in the house? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They had
1: a room for me and everything. And so, um, because the sister she moved in with her sister. And so uh, the mother then put a, put a condition on it that if I bring her back by the 9th of September, then I would go. go. So I did bring her back by the 9th. We got back on the 8th. And so mother trusted me after that. And she was safe. She wasn't harmed. So it was exceptional. So then I met Janine, and then I came back to Australia in January. By the, yourself? Yeah, I met her in August, yeah. and I came and we'd spent six months or so, five months, and then I came back by myself in January, and Janine followed me the following yeah. Uh, July. Yeah. And then she stayed for six months and went back in January seventy five. Yeah. And then I followed her in May 75. Back to France. Yeah, and then I ran out of money uh, at the end of the year, which was about November. So then I went to the UK and I went to the North Sea. And, I, and I, that's where I think God gave me my desires. I wasn't a believer, though. So you went to work? I went to work offshore in the North Oileries. Sea. Oil rig. So I was on the ocean, but on the freezing ocean. I've never worked on the ocean with snow, but I was, I, I was nearly... Ankle deep in snow and on on a drilling rig out there, and so that's that was my life for the next twenty four years.
0: Wow! Mm. And uh, not there, but
1: all around. You everywhere. got married. Got married in seventy six in London. Okay. And then by through you know registry office because yeah, we were, she wanted to get married in France, but in France it was a six month wait because you had to do sort of convert to Catholicism, and I didn't want to do that. And and Janine had no interest in Catholicism. As actually, she found it hypocritical at the age of fourteen to, to say confession you had to lie and yeah. <laughs> anyway, so she didn't go into it. But basically, um, yeah, I um, we got married in, in London in a registry office and very simple.
0: So, so we had friends and my sister. So then came. you flew to the or chopper to the.
1: I used to fly by a chopper to the Maldives. Yeah.
0: And then. Was it fly-in, fly-out for fly a number in, of fly days? Fly-in, fly-out,
1: two, two weeks on, two okay. weeks on. So I used to travel. Um, I used to go at the rig for 14 days and come back, take two days to get from Aberdeen to London, then London to Paris, uh, to to her place in, in the west of France. Oh, so she stayed home? She was living at home. That was oh. before we got married. Okay. And yeah, then but then in London, she was, living, she was living in
0: London. What was she working? What was she doing?
1: Uh, she was doing a, a business. She was working in a business college. Yeah. She was a, actually a facilitator, teaching directors' secretaries how to be. A, yeah, that was her nice profession. Kids, did you have the children? children there? Yeah, we had. Uh, John, my eldest son Jonathan, was born in France in in seventy nine, mm-hmm. but we left France in eighty two. For London or for Australia? For Australia.
0: Yeah. Oh, so. From England, you went back to France for a little while.
1: For a little while, and then I, I actually, um, I got a job. So from '76 to '82, I lived in France. We we okay. lived in France. And you and were so working on rigs. Yeah, and then I got a job with a French drilling company, and we they sent me all over the all over the world in Iran and Nigeria and different countries. And she would travel with you. No, no, she just. just... I I did five weeks. On. I mean, the guys complain now, but I did five weeks on, five weeks off. Yeah. But it was good on the off time. Yeah,
0: and then you decided to come back to Australia.
1: Decided to come back to Australia and um, started working in the oil rigs in Australia. But your French was
0: sitting. pretty good by now.
1: Well, actually, the yeah, I was actually the first couple of years I didn't couldn't still understand, and my my mother in law really persisted with me, and you know, repeating repetitive. Words and uh, and then it just uh, all came to me, and yeah, I could speak enough to get by. And so, the French company hired me for that because I could speak English. Slumberger, no, well, they Slumberger owned the drilling company, it was called Forex Neptune, okay, but Slumberger owned Forex Neptune, and so we, we worked everywhere with them, and uh, yeah, and then I came back to Australia.
0: Sydney or Perth? No. We came
1: back to Sydney and we stayed there for five months but there was no work for me for oil there so I heard that Western Australia was a place to come. Yep. And, and you know, when I got back to Sydney I didn't want to really bring my son up in Sydney. He was only two and a half, three, yep. three years old and I just didn't like the environment in Sydney at that yep. time. It had changed dramatically since I'd left. And so we bought a van and we just put a mattress in the back and a of a cooker and we just drove across australia
0: awesome yeah it was different bit of a
1: nomad yes it was and uh yeah but we had see there, there was a plan because uh, we we went to uh, we got as far as norseman and we met this older couple elderly yep. couple and uh my plan was to go to kalgoorlie because i wanted to see kalgoorlie i've heard about kalgoorlie and they she sort of talked us into going via esperance yeah because she said it's a pretty drive and all that. So we did. We went by Esperance, but we didn't realise that um, I think it was just 20 k's out of Raisin Thorpe, which is about 100 and something k's from Esperance. Yeah. We rolled... We, we rode off the van. Oh. Everything. We had, we had a trailer full of our trunks from Europe, all our stuff, all our thing. And uh, we we had an accident. Um, did you hear something or just... No, no, no. Actually, no yeah, I think... If I'm honest, and I am, then my son was in the back with my wife on the mattress and where I was driving, and then he was climbing over the seat and I was trying to grab him, so my, the car veered to the... And they, they had no shoulders on the side of the road and uh, the trailer started jackknifing on the road and so I tried to correct and then when I corrected over we went. And we ended up about 100 metres down the road on the other side of the road, windscreen popped out un- upside down. And they had no seatbelts. I had to, I grabbed hold of him. Yeah. But my wife was tossed around like that. But nothing happened to us. Wow. Not a scratch. It's a miracle. It was. And we didn't we didn't realise it at the time, but after when I when when I when I accepted Jesus as Lord, all these things came back to me of course. how he Flashes. saved us. Yeah, how he saved us. He kept us for a purpose. Yeah. So when we have a purpose, it doesn't matter what the enemy puts in front of you; he'll keep you.
0: So big shock, obviously. Was yeah. Well,
1: but we were fortunate. This is how good God is. About five or ten minutes after it happened, two couples, two different couples with two caravans came. They saw what happened. They pulled the caravans over. the The women started setting up the table, making us some food, and the guys all helped me put all the Stuff back together in the trailer right. and, and the van because they knew that we were going to tow it away. And, and the police came and uh, took us to the hospital, to get us checked up, but we were fine. Then the hotel... In Esperance? No, this was in Ravensthorpe. Oh, Ravensthorpe. It was bef- before. Yeah, the mining town. Yeah, well, yeah. Now. And so, uh, yeah. And so they put us in the hotel. The guy wanted to put us upstairs, but the wife said, no, 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 put him in the units out the back because yeah. this is a young couple with a child and we don't want to... So they actually looked after us, and when it was time for us to pay them, yeah. she wouldn't accept them finance. Wow! And then that lady, we rang her up. That lady that gave us told us to come to Esperance. We didn't have anyone in Perth. We didn't yeah. know anyone, know anything. Yeah. We just rang her up and said, "Look, we're catching a bus to Perth, and
0: we'd we all the car."
1: Yeah, we we told her all that, and she was amazed and well s- saddened really, but amazed that we survived and. And so she, we just said, look, we're coming in on a bus. And so we didn't know. We got into the Perth bus station <laughs> and there was a message for us to call her. Yeah. So she called us and uh, called. Her. we called her up and she, we took a taxi. She told us to take a taxi to her place. So she put us up and I went house hunting and found a place to stay in, in Herdsman Park in Wembley. Yeah. In one of the units there. Yeah. yeah. There these... It was a furnished unit for about, yeah. I there.
0: We we I live next I live in Churchland, it's just around the lake. Well, I lived
1: in hundred and fifteen Herdsman Parade. There you go. Yeah, but so I lived there and uh, then we actually um, I got a job. I got a job eventually in eighty three with Osh, with the in in the oil rigs again and um, 80, beginning of eighty three and so we had some work and then we, we put a deposit on a house in Kingsley.
0: Nice. Yeah, it was. It was Where a... you are today? Is it the same? No.
1: No. No, no, no. It was a house in Kingsley Drive. Okay. And uh, so we put a deposit on the house and, and from that house we, we stayed there 19 years in there. Beautiful. And then, uh, but during the time uh, uh, the oil rigs went down so I had to work as a car salesman and I've never sold a encyclopedia an or anything so... It was really tough because um, they they would give you a, a very a retainer of one seventy five and you could get two hundred and forty a week on the doll with a child. Yeah. So we, we did we toughed it out and and then um, I uh, this is where the Lord I was not a believer then this is where the Lord came into my life big time and I didn't realise it and so I was playing the stock market in eighty seven. Yeah. And you could get a phone account, put in a phone account, and yeah. I had a, I had a Trade. portfolio of about the 20000 worth. Wow. But it was worth 30000 but it, it cost would have cost 20000 but it was all on account, on credit. Oh. And then the, my wife said she didn't want to have that. She wanted to have the finances, not the certificate. Yeah. So I called the broker to sell, and he said, look, it's on a bull run, leave it and a couple of weeks. and. That was on the Friday, on the Monday, it, the Friday happened. Black. That was where the stock market crashed, crashed. in eighty seven October, and so I was left with a twenty thousand debt and a mortgage, and one hundred and seventy five dollars a week. Yeah, and everything was going to be taken away from me. Yeah, everything. The house. Yeah. I went to my bank that I'd been banking with since I was at school, and uh, I won't mention their name, but they didn't. They couldn't help me. So I was walking back along Kingsley Drive and I just happened to look up the street and there was a bank opening up in the shopping centre it looked like RI Bank, it was called then. Yeah. So I went up there and there's this guy changing a light bulb in the ceiling and I said, oh, is the, is the manager in? He said, I am the manager. So he was actually... He, he was a, a roving manager that started up banks for, for R&I. And, Bankwest, uh, which became... Be, became Bankwest. So I gave him... I, I don't know why, but I told him all what he, he asked me to come in and, and chat You told with him. him everything. I told him everything that happened to me. And he said, Look, we'll we'll advance you the money. Uh you'll have to pay the interest up, but you won't have to pay it up front. You'll have to pay it at the end of the, the term, the year. Yeah. And I told him I was on a promise to get a job in back in overseas in November. This is yeah. eighty seven, in, in October. And uh he then, uh, he said, all right, you you keep your mortgage with that bank because if, I was on a fixed term, otherwise that would become unbearable. Yeah. And so we transferred all our money, $300 over to his account. And he, they, they, true to his word, we, um, I got the job, I eventually got the job and we paid off the debt in, in September the following year, a month before month before we needed to. Oh, praise God. Paid the whole debt off. And yeah, so and and the Lord I mean took, led me to that bank. Yeah. To that person who was on not that a believer day. either. On yeah. that day. Yeah. Because the enemy wanted to wipe me out. Yeah. But the Lord did not want me.
0: When did you encounter the Lord?
1: This is this is the this is where I where I'm really I believe that this is my testimony. I was working on the oil rig in, in Brunei. This is the job I got in that eighty seven. Yep. Yeah. And in uh I was there in nineteen ninety. I mean, I was working with a guy called Vince Tilly, and I'd met him before. He was a Rhodesian ex SAS soldier mm-hmm. and he was he had a tough life. Yeah. And and so he became a believer. Yeah. And he was you know, he's very he was actually very um he wasn't a gung ho evangelist. He was yeah. just he was just living the life, but he also, and he gave me the testimony after, he said he had been praying for me mm-hmm. every month. every For four months he prayed and asked the Lord, can I give John a Bible? Yeah. And the Lord said, no, <laughs> not yet. His answer was, not yet. Yeah. And every month, every every day he was praying, the Lord said, not yet. Yeah. Not really. Oh. So... He, did, he then said, all right, give him the Bible. So he gave me a Bible, and we've got cabins on the oil rig. And um, so I looked at the Bible, and I thought, I, I just couldn't get it. Yeah. It just didn't make sense to me at all. Mm. But I thought, look, good. You know, it's like a hotel. I'm, yeah. i am got my little Bible next to my bedside table. And then two nights after that, he said, look, I've got a testimony I want you to look at, a video. I said, oh, Vince, because... I, when you work on the oil rigs, you work twelve-hour shifts. So I, you, I'd start at twelve at midday and yep. finish at midnight. Yeah. So when I finish at midnight, I get in and do my reports. I go and have a meal. I have a shower, then have a meal, and by one thirty, two o'clock in the morning, bed. I'm in bed, and then up at ten o'clock in the morning. So I, I, I said, oh no. And he said, just five minutes. I said, all right. I went down, went down the TV room it was. A, it was just him and me. Well, he kicked, he told the others to leave because they were watching some adult movie. Mm-hmm. So he got all that out and he put the testimony of um, Ian McCormack. Have you heard of Ian McCormack? No. Ian McCormack is the guy that was bitten by, stung by a box jellyfish that died mm-hmm. for 20 minutes and came back. Yeah. He was a, he was a guy that his mother was a spirit filled born again believer in New Zealand. He was a New Zealander. Okay. Traveled around. He gave up, he said, Christianity is not for me. He tried, Muslim. he said, oh, you know, he wasn't into he, he, he was brought up as a Christian. Yeah. But he, he tried Buddhism, he tried he tried uh, Hinduism, Muslim, he tried all those things. He ended up surfing, he was a surfer. Yeah. He, he ended up in Mauritius. Yep. And in Mauritius, he um, got to know the Creoles and he used to go diving with them for um, crabs, I think it was, crayfish. And so this one particular night he went and he had a three-quarter wetsuit <coughs> and he, um, he, actually, he actually didn't realise, but uh, they call it over there the bizarre because you can't see the tentacles of the box jellyfish. And he got stung. He got stung five times and you, you'd die with just one. It's called the Portuguese man of war or the box jellyfish. And so he, he, it's a long story, but I'd encourage everyone to go on, a glimpse of eternity mm-hmm. it's one word a glimpse of eternity and have a look at his testimony but so his testimony was was that um vince and i was in the room and i was watching his testimony and he was uh he was dying and at the time that that was happening at two o'clock in the morning the spirit woke up his mum to pray in the spirit for him that his son was dying and he was in mauritius and so she did, and uh, well, a long story short, and what he saw in the 25 minutes that he was dead uh, shocked me. And what he saw was that he was, he was in darkness. Initially, he was in darkness, but it took him a while to pass away. But he was in darkness, and he thought he was still in the hospital bed, and he thought the lights were just turned out. But he um, then tried to touch, he felt the other body, yeah. But he tried to touch himself, but he, his arms went through. And anyway, it was a very powerful testimony that really impacted me. And, and basically, he, he said that uh, he, he, prior to dying, he, he had seen in a vision, he was lying in this bed in, this, in the vehicle that was taking him to the hospital. He saw the Lord's Prayer. Mm-hmm. And he prayed the first half of the Lord's Prayer. It's basically also a prayer of repentance in a sense. And and so that's what he took it as. And so when he was in darkness, all he was surrounded by was cold and and anger. He felt a lot of anger around him and voices that were saying, you deserve to be here. It was just, he didn't know where he was. And so when he cried out, he cried out, Jesus. Then that light shone into that darkness. And then he started being drawn like a moth into that light, to this light. And so as he was getting into the light, he saw the aura of his body. There was no physical body, mm-hmm. but all his fingers were there, all his, all his legs, arms, toes, yeah. everything yeah. was in the aura. Yeah. It was the spirit being, he realized he was. And every time he came closer to the light, he felt more shame of what he had done in his life. But every time he felt that shame, he felt waves of love hitting. And so, as he drew closer, there was more love hitting him as he was feeling. He, he felt by the time he got to that light, which was so brilliant, but not blinding, he felt that he, he, he had to find somewhere to hide because of his shame of his life. But the more he felt that, the more love filled him. And so, that really impacted me. And you know, a lot of people say, well, I, I think I was, um, I think the fear of God came upon me. The, the, the fear of, I guess it was the fear of not going into that dark place. Yeah. I didn't want to go there. In my life, if I wouldn't have changed my life, because during that that video, I'm, this is amazing, because Vince had to go out for a minute. Yeah. I was he by myself. I didn't know I was there because he was a night nice supervisor. Yeah. And... About 20 minutes into the video, well, when he had seen that darkness, there was a voice that came that I, I thought it was Vince. And he yeah. said, the voice said, John, you need to change your life. And the voice said it again, John, you need to change your life. Mm-hmm. And I look around me. No one there. And I thought he was, I thought oh. Vince was trying to Convinced play games you. with yeah, me yeah. In, in telling me to change my life. Yep, yeah. But it, it wasn't him. There was no one there. And so after the video, I was like, I, I, I just was stunned at what I saw. And I ended up staying the whole video, which was an hour and 15 minutes. Wow. And then I went to bed, but I couldn't go to bed. Because all night I was thinking, how do I change my life? I couldn't work out how yeah. I would change my life. So I asked him in the morning. And he said, you have to give your heart to yeah. Jesus. Yeah. And so I said, all right. We went in our cabin and got on our knees and he led me through the prayer of accepting Jesus as Lord and Savior. Was it real for you? Oh, yeah. On the rig, yeah. It was like night and day. My crew knew what I was like. I had a pretty profane mouth in those days. Mm-hmm. I th- that was the norm Yeah, for us. On the rig, you had to have this macho image on the rig to survive, I guess. This toughness and... Uh, But my crew just knew there was some massive change in me because the next morning, or the next shifts that I was on, the last four shifts, not one swear, not one profanity, not one losing anger or anything. Massive Uh, shift. Massive shift. I never drank anymore. Just Just like that. that. The only thing I struggled with was cigarettes. Smoking, yeah. I struggled with that for a while.
0: And when he came home to Well, brother?
1: I actually called her up from there because you could phone from yeah. there. From, it was in Brunei, offshore Brunei. Yeah. Uh, I phoned her up and I said, we need to change our life. And she said, well, I haven't done anything. What do I, why should I change my life? She thought, I haven't robbed or stolen or hurt yeah. anyone. Or I said, oh, no, you, you don't. I'll tell you when I get home. So when I got home, I... I uh, I said, "Look, I'm I'm changing my life. That's it. Where I'm moving." She said, "Well, but, but, but you know, she didn't really understand it." So the next time I went back to work, when she got naturalised as an Australian citizen, here yeah, was in eighty three, I think. Uh, she um, she they were they were offering her a Bible or a portrait of the Queen. Well, the Queen didn't mean, mean much to a French woman. Yeah. So she took the Bible, and that Bible sat on our mantel. Cupboard for I think it was 10 years, well, yeah. seven years untouched. untouched, dusted. So when I went back, she read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, but she read it like a storybook, you know. So she yeah. read it that way. And uh, when I came back the next time, she gave her heart to the Lord. But yeah,
0: she read it that quick.
1: Well, she, yeah, she's a quick reader, but yeah, she in three weeks she read it. Yeah, wow. Yeah. That's something. Yeah, she's probably skipped a lot of Leviticus, I think. Yeah. But the rest, yeah, she And did. the Chronicles. Oh, well, I don't know. Maybe, she, but she read most of all the Bible. Wow. And then that, that really, something happened to so her. Did you
0: go to a church to get baptised? Well, you we we
1: we we then, the second time, we had a friend who was a Christian. She, yeah. she had a friend that she knew was a Christian and she was Church of Christ from Warwick. And so we went there for the first um, year of our life I actually yeah. got um, I actually got um, in, in September I gave my heart to the Lord in April and September the 30th I I got water baptized by the pastor and so we both did together that's beautiful yeah it was it was I know it was a testimony there but I won't go into it because you know the Lord stopped the the rain for us and sunshine and then Rained after we got baptized, but in the ocean? No, no, in a, in Vince Tilly's pool. Okay. The guy that led me to the Lord. Oh, in his pool at home. Yeah, yeah, he was living in Warner Rue at the time, oh. at the back there. So then Janine, uh, the thing was, she uh, really, really took off with the Lord as well, and uh, by that next February, she. There was a, there was a that came through and about about speaking in tongues and I mean, I was ready, I was ready, I thought, and she, um, she actually thought she'd rather do it at home, privately. Yeah. And she did. I went to the shop for half an hour and I came back and she, she was like a giggling little girl. (laughs) And, and, and I was, I was sort of, not offended, but I just didn't take it very well because I was not, I thought I was, I was born again first. So with me, it took about a couple of years before I really got... Filled. Filled with Well, filled with the evidence of tongues. Yeah. Yeah. We've all got the spirit, but whether it's activated is not, activated is with tongues. Switched. Switched on, yeah. So then that was was it. And then that was in... Yeah, so 1990 was really the year that that I gave my heart to the Lord in about April, 1990.
0: And And still in in the Church of
1: Christ. Well, we, we, we stayed in the Church of Christ, but then the Lord we moved to the Kingsley Church of Christ because our daughter joined the girls' brigade there and all that. But then there was something else that happened there, was that after six months there, the Lord moved us on to a spirit filled church, to an AOG yeah. church. Mm-hmm. And how he did that was quite phenomenal because I was a very heavy sleeper and my wife was, a pin drop she'd hear it because of the children, she was very attuned to that. And so one night... Uh, I heard the it was like a jump a seven four seven was about twenty feet above her house with full edge of glory. And and I I I told her, Did you hear that? And she said, Hear what? She didn't hear it. I thought she was playing with me. But she said, No, I didn't hear it. And then I went back to bed or tried to, and then the voice kept saying, Go and read Psalm 150. Mm-hmm. I thought, there's no Psalm 150, I never read the book of Psalms. Not that far. And uh so I went and read. Eventually, uh, after arguing with this voice that was in my head telling me to go and read it, I went and read it at 2 in the morning and, and it said that we needed to praise him with everything, yeah. worship him with everything. And unfortunately, the Church of Christ was a bit reserved in that yeah. area. So then, we were, then Vince Tilly was going to the Girawin AOG and that's yeah. where we went and we stayed there for 17 years. Wow. I met uh, Malcolm Smith there in 92.
0: You know, when we started Menorah Church, we started in the hall there for a year. Upstairs? Yeah. Up
1: in that upper hall? Yeah. Yeah, that was there. So the, before
0: we came to this just, facility... Oh, you had that upper hall? Yeah. yeah. Wow. For one year? Well, yeah. Yeah. well, that's
1: when my daughter was baptised in the Spirit at eight years old with a with a team from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. They came through and and they, they got all the children and said, who, do you want, who wants the Holy Spirit? And they all put up their hand and... My daughter was speaking in tongues at the age of eight years old. Wow.
0: Yeah, so. And she's still doing it now?
1: Well, then she met a husband who was not really that way, and so they went to Anglican churches and stuff like that, and so she let it go. But now she's back into it. Again. Yeah. Yeah, my son was born again as well, my eldest son. Yeah. At 14, he was he was at crossroads. He saw he thought this is just a fad that Dad is in. He's going to change. He's going to go back to what he was, you know, with barbecuing and all his friends. But he saw that it wasn't. At fifteen, he was really challenged by the Lord because a lot of his friends. He was going to. We put him in Lake Juniper Baptist College at that time, yeah. and he, a lot of his friends were then starting to go into drinking and partying and drugs, and he was at a crossroad. And then he chose to not to do that. Yeah. And he became and he was born again. Now he's a. He plays the league the worship team at uh, at uh, he started shot at North City. He started with us at Girraween, then he moved on to North City, North City when it was North City or Shiloh. Yeah, and then uh, he's he's been he been to Kingdom City for a while, and then he's gone back to back to C three C three.
0: Yeah, is that where you are now?
1: No, <laughs> We're, we 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 uh, we stayed in Girraween for. Uh, 17 years and then we moved to Malcolm started a church. Yeah. Malcolm Smith started a 10 challenge type church. And he wanted us there and we did but it, it, it was not where the Lord wanted us. And so we uh, we took time out and and for, well, we went and moved to we went to Reg's church for a while, Reg Marias. Yeah, and so we we really were there in his infancy and yeah. he, he never had a church at the time. It was in Challenge Stadium. And then we, we mm. were there for a purpose, I think. Yeah. Because Reg was very reluctant to get it, get a building. Yeah. And so
0: Well, they're building one now. Yeah, no,
1: yeah. But in those days uh, there was there was quite amazing because the congregation there was about sixty people that came to that church yeah. for that specific purpose to get that uh, in a church for yeah. him, and, and raise funds because he wasn't into it. He didn't agree with that, not agree with it, but he was very reluctant to. Yeah. That. And so, uh, when that happened, after it was fine, you know, been there, we we'd only been there three years. We, then many were leaving, mm-hmm. and all those sixty that came for that purpose had left. Okay. And so we didn't want to be like them, so we stayed, but we stayed too long. So then we went to, um, I went, I, I used to go to Without Walls in my earlier Christian yeah. walk. And so we went there and, well, we actually stayed home for four months and asked the Lord where, where do we need to go. Sure. Because we, we knew we'd been visiting all those churches before, years before uh, Riverview and Victory and, and all, the, all yeah. the churches we'd yeah. been to. And uh, we knew what they were like and... So we just asked, wanted to, the Lord to put us into a church, yeah. not just go for convenience. Yeah. So we went to, um, we went to without walls, and we've been there now eight years now.
0: Wonderful, yeah. and that's a good place to minister as well because yeah, it, it's a very outreach focused church. It is. It's it different. is. It's a role, It's happening. Yeah,
1: and I think that's where the Lord wants me really is to encourage young men. Yeah. I think that's, you know, we all have a purpose and a and a plan and he has a purpose and a plan and destiny for each one of us. And I guess that's the the, the 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 ideal is to find that that purpose and plan that he wants to have for you. And and he does. He does have one. He has a plan for everyone and, and Jeremiah 2911 says it and it's so true that God has a specific plan for you. Yeah. That only you and if you, you choose not to do it, then no one else can do that. That's right. But you can do. And so I think that's for me. I mean, I, I've been in a lot of church positions yeah. and boards. Yeah. And, and uh, only because of the business he gave me. And that's that's what really I want to talk about is to the business the Lord gave me after the oil rigs finished yeah. uh, in 95. Um, I, I, by 95, the Lord had brought me from... The lowest position on an oil rig yep. to the highest. Praise God. And I and I didn't have the education to do it. Mm. And it was quite amazing what he did, because uh, because of the experience I had in Brunei, eight years of bring drilling a well and bringing that well actually to production. Yeah, that was was vast experience. Um, I got a job with Apache Energy and and Wopit Drilling and and Chevron and and all these big names as supervisor. <clears throat> And so that was that was amazing what the Lord had done because he did I, I really struggled with that because I, I was telling the Lord every morning you know before or night before going to work that um, this was beyond me but he would he wouldn't answer anything and so so you're ready to go to work <laughs> and so it was it was really amazing what he did and then after that that finished in 90, 96. yeah and in ninety seven. I tried to get work. My I had a, had a consultant agency that was trying to get work for me. Yeah. We got? No, no, camera. uh Around the world and it couldn't get me any work. So the only job I could get was as a salesman and that's sort of under any oil rigs. But, and so that took me from the highest to back, the, <laughs> back to the lowest. <laughs> and so for two years I was on that and I worked as an as a ex- exclusive consultant for an Aberdeen company in Australia to an agent. And the agent wasn't doing the right thing by this company. And so I was telling them to open up. I was selfishly telling them to open up a subsidiary so I'd be their manager. But uh, because they procrastinated, laws had changed. So they then said, we, will, we want you to open up a business. Yep. So the Lord had a better plan. <laughs> because if I was a manager, it was limited in what he could do with me. Yeah. But because he, he opened up a business for me, Yes. he could do everything for it. Yeah, if it would be for the kingdom business, and so that's what happened. That's what
0: happened. And you opened a business.
1: I opened a business up in the year two thousand and January the first year two thousand the day of my N- well, N- two K. <laughs> so I opened it up, and he gave me the name for the business. He gave me the name of Pathfinder Resources. Yeah. To find the path. And yeah. That was a pathfinder in the drilling as well. Yes. Find the path, but find the path to him. And he also gave me a scripture to start off with, and and, it, and 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 I still use it to today, and it was Deuteronomy 8.18. Earnestly to remember the Lord your God, for it is he that gives you the power to get wealth, to establish his covenant. Not your big house, not your big this. Yeah. And so you give step. it all to him. Yeah. And then he, he, he provides all your needs. Every need will be met. Yeah. Every need will be met. We've got to surrender things. We don't realize that a lot of people are reluctant to surrender what they have. Yeah. But what they don't realize is that they're withholding the blessing that he pours, It mm. could pour upon us. And so it li- we limit him. Mm. We limit him on how, what he can do in our lives. And so I learned that and I experienced it. And it was the more I gave, the more he gave back. Mm. It was like a flow in, flow out. Yeah. And that's what the Lord wants us. And... Then he gave me that revelation, and when I looked at the map of Israel, and saw the the Jordan flowing into the Sea of Galilee, which yep. was teeming of life and everything, yep. and then flowing out, yes, and but into the Dead Sea, which didn't everything have to stops. flow out, and everything died. Dies, yeah. So I think it was a real good analogy uh, to tell others that you know God, you can't out give God. God That's is right. always a giver. He gave His Son. Yeah. I mean that's priceless. Mm. So, yeah. So from that, the business thrived. I mean, the business prior to that as a consultant, it was average. Yeah. But once he had the business, yeah, it just multiplied it exponentially. Mm. I mean, it was beyond what I could ever envision. Yeah. And and it was for his glory. And that, but it was a, a learning. It was only until two thousand and eight, until all these big conglomerates bought this company out in Aberdeen. Yes. And then, then we went to court because they owed us a lot of, I overpaid on my royalties mm-hmm. and we wanted to, if, if we were going to settle, but they were not willing to give me that. And so they hired a big law firm, the biggest law firm Australia's got Allen's Alan, Alan, and Allen's law firm and we had a little uh, <coughs> commercial lawyer from Osmond Park and my, my accountant with me and yeah. we went to mediation and yeah. The Lord looked after me there as well because I was able to get into the, into the into the court into the mediation room in the courtroom. It was actually a courtroom, and above I saw was Mon Dieu and Mon droit So Mon Dieu and Mon droit is French for my my God and my right. Mm-hmm. And so I prayed in that room before they all come in. And then they brought in their battery of QCs and yeah. and uh, senior barristers and all that. And so the mediator, the Lord also organised because she was, uh, she had been the legal head for Woodside for 20 years. Oh, so she understood the oil fields. She understood um, the oil fields. Yeah. So she could, knew we couldn't get a, a, a decision, so she separated us. And prior to that, it was for two and a half years that law firm dragged it on. Yes. It should have been completed in a year. But prior to that, the Lord got me to put the the amounts of money in different accounts yeah. in, in the A and P which they weren't aware of those bank accounts. Yes. Separated. Yeah. Two and a half years later when we settled, it was exactly what the Lord told me to put around. Yeah. Exactly what we were going to pay them. Yeah. They were going for everything. Yeah. But they only got but that amount. Yeah. That was put aside for them. Praise God. Yeah, that's I mean the Lord. The hand was, of he, God. Amazing! Amazing.
0: And now you have another business with this. I do,
1: but it's it's my and I, it hasn't thrived like the Pathfinder. Yeah. Pathfinder, God created that business. This one was born out of me, basically, and so it's 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 not. Well, I haven't put the time in either because I know that to run a business, that you you need to actually put in a lot of time, and I'm sure. not. I don't know if I'm ready to commit all that time. I'd rather commit that time to him. Yeah. And so I haven't put in the time for the work. But I still think that this business, although it has ex- great potential...
0: So this is an additive?
1: It's a... It's a, it's a well, it's not really an additive. It's a, it's a micro oil metal treatment. It treats metal. It doesn't add to anything okay. except treat m- the, the metal, micro, the micropores of the metal. In,
0: in, in engines?
1: In yeah. engines, in any type, anything that's lubricated. Yeah. But the thing is, is that um, uh, it has great potential, but... Um, I I just see it as a tent ministry. Really.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's to keep you going. Yeah, it's
1: it actually doesn't even. You feed spoke us. about
0: men's ministry and the, the mm. call of God that you have towards that. Is that the legacy that you'd like to be connected with?
1: It is. It is. I like I like to encourage the men mm-hmm. to tell them the young men that God has a specific plan and purpose for their life. Yeah, and for them. To make it a, a desire to fulfill all the tasks and assignments that he has planned and purposed for them yes, and as, as they seek that, he will protect them to to bring out the final outcome of their destiny mm-hmm. and so I really want to encourage the people in that area is to is to seek him and what he wants for your life and he'll he'll always. Give you what you need. He'll always provide your need for it. And he'll, he'll, it's a striving and a struggle when you try and work out. Without him. Without him. Yeah. And, and try and try this or try that. If you're constantly trying things, it, it basically is, is, you'll be struggling and striving <laughs> to, to achieve things. Maybe
0: we should call this podcast Stop Trying and Start Allowing.
1: Yes exactly it's 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 allowing him to have his way and and you know it, the the Holy Spirit is a gentleman and God is a loving father and he won't tell us to do things yeah he he wants us to ask him he wants us to surrender to 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 ask him to lead ask him to lead us and guide us and and i don't know it's a cliche thing mold us and shape us into the, but that's what we need to do is let the yeah. Holy Spirit have his way and and you know, when I, when I did that business for eight years, I learned to take God to work. Yeah. Take God to work. Doing business yeah. with God, I yeah. called it. Yeah. And then we used to do business breakfast with Brett Moriahs. We He do prophecy on that. But the thing was to take God to work with you. Or whatever you yeah. do, get the Holy Spirit involved in everything you're doing. He, he won't push his way in, but he wants you to rely on Him yeah. and then He will lead you and guide you the way you should go.
0: Wonderful. Yeah. I that's think that's a beautiful legacy and if you can manage to inspire people to seek God and allow God to be God in their lives, I think that's, mm. that's a massive plus for a lot of people. Yeah. That's, Thanks that's so much for sharing this beautiful story with us okay. and your testimony, John.
1: Oh, it's a pleasure. Sorry, it's a pleasure to, to give Him glory. Amen. Very, very
0: well what a beautiful story i'm sure that this has inspired you um no matter what challenges you are going through stop trying and allow god to be god and Mm. uh do your business with god and then do the other business because god is in everything Mm. i pray that this story inspires you and helps you carry on the good walk with the lord Uh, I do have a bit of a sore throat and uh, I had to take some water along the path uh, in this uh, podcast Um, to excuse me but we managed to get to the end of it uh, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and uh, we can smile about it now if you love this podcast please share it with other people on both YouTube and the other podcast platforms wherever you are watching or listening to this content thank you so much for joining us and uh, we invite you next week when you'll hear another beautiful story At Kingdom Stories from Down Under. Thank you for joining us on Kingdom Stories from Down Under. We'd love it if you would subscribe, rate, and share these stories with your wider community. And remember, every story is worth sharing, including yours.